Every culture marks moments in human life in some way. We honor and recognize those points where our experience of and place in society moves through a doorway, passing from one room, as it were, to the next. In doing so, in making that passage, we become changed. In Hinduism, these rites of passage, these sacraments, are called samskara. In them, we reaffirm our connection to the divine. We reaffirm our connection with each other, with our families, with society. We reaffirm and reconnect in a way, sometimes, with ourselves as well. How we do this, and the different stages of life which these rites of passage mark, are what we're going to talk about today. I'm Matt McDermott, and this is all about Hinduism. Episode 6, what are the main Hindu sacred rites of passage, and what are the four traditional stages of life? The Sanskrit word samskara means groove in the mind, and indicates rituals and ceremonies intended to leave deep spiritual impressions on the individual's conscience. More colloquially, samskara can also refer to the mental, emotional, and spiritual habits in our lives created by our actions. Samskara generally marks significant life stages. Many samskara are pan-Hindu, while others might be specific to a region, community, or even family. Thus, the commemoration of any particular samskara varies widely amongst Hindus. Many Hindus begin performing these samskara before a child is even conceived. There's a sacrament that can be performed the second a couple, a mother, decides that they want to have a child, another at the time of conception, and others at several points in the pregnancy, leading up to the sacrament when a child is delivered and the umbilical cord is cut. There are many sacraments that Hindu parents may perform through a child's life. Traditionally, the first sacrament is the naming ceremony. In many families, a Vedic astrologer might be consulted to provide the child's star and planetary chart to recommend what letter the child's name should begin with. In some regions, the paternal aunt or a specific family member may be tasked with selecting the name as part of a ceremony and in conjunction with a family astrologist. As a sidebar, in some Hindu lineages, when a person who wasn't born into that lineage wants to formally associate themselves with that lineage, whether or not they were born into a Hindu family or have adopted Hinduism as their religion later in life, a similar sort of ceremony is held. The first time a child is taken outside the home to meet close friends and family, the child's first bite of solid food, the child's first haircut, and the first time the child has their ears pierced can all be marked by a samskara. The inauguration of formal education is also marked by a ceremony inviting Sarasvati, the goddess of knowledge, to bless the child. The thread ceremony is one of the most practiced Hindu sacraments. With this sacrament, a thread is hung over a boy's left shoulder and he is initiated with the Gayatri Mantra, which many Hindus believe is one of the most powerful mantras in the Vedas. The child is considered twice born after performing the thread ceremony is considered ready to begin studying the Vedas. Though today, wearing of a sacred thread is associated with the Brahman Varna, and only men at that, traditionally, looking at ancient texts, all the Varna and Jati were advised to wear some sort of sacred thread. The distinction was the number of threads to be worn, 
as well as if it was mandatory at all times, or mandatory during worship rituals but optional at other times. Today, some lineages are resurrecting the tradition, not only for both boys and girls, but Hindus from all communities. A Hindu wedding is considered the most important samskaras by many Hindus. Usually several days long, there are often many customs which vary by region and community in India and around the world. Walking around the fire a specific number of times and taking seven steps together, which are accompanied by seven promises, and listening to ancient Vedic mantras, however, are a constant facet of Hindu weddings around the world. The promises are to lead to a healthy life, develop physical, mental, and spiritual strength, to increase material wealth and well-being, to live in love, respect, understanding, and faith, to care for their future children responsibly, to pray for the longevity of the relationship, and to be true and loyal to each other for a lifetime. Funerals are sobering events. Most Hindus are cremated, and their remains immersed into the earth or a river. Sacraments involving purifying and cleansing the body before the corpse is cremated. Occasionally, young children, pregnant women, and saints are buried instead of cremated. Their souls are considered pure, and it is thought that they do not need the ritual cleansing of cremation. In addition to these rites of passage, Hinduism traditionally divides human life into four stages. The idea is to provide structure and guidance for daily life, though most Hindus today only follow the first three stages. These stages are known as ashramas. The first of these stages is known as brahmacharya and corresponds to the time in contemporary society when a person is in school. In U.S. terms, elementary school through high school certainly, being extended through college too. The goal of this stage is learning and preparing for success in the next stages of life. During this time, the foundation of Hindu spiritual practice is also established, with instruction appropriate for a person's age. Sometimes specific chronological ages are said to define each ashrama, but in contemporary society this is more fluid. Brahmacharya is particularly fluid, depending on how much education a person pursues. And if a person is gaining a terminal degree, such as a PhD or receiving medical training, the stage can overlap in practice with the next stage, married life. Marriage is given a high priority in Hindu culture, and there is much in the Hindu scriptures detailing how to make marriage as successful as possible. The goal of this stage is to develop spiritual practice in the midst of the material world. Individuals are encouraged to produce and distribute wealth, fulfilling the goal of artha, and experience pleasure, kama, while always acting ethically, dharma. Artha, dharma, and kama are three of the four traditional aims of life, with moksha, that is spiritual liberation, being the fourth. In essence, each individual in this stage hopes to be a supportive family member and productive citizen. Though all this has been framed in terms of married life, in the modern era, same-sex marriages can also fall into this category. Contemporary Hindu views on same-sex marriage are varied. However, Hindu same-sex weddings are increasingly performed and accepted by Hindu society. Also, even if a person isn't married as an adult, the part about being a productive citizen is still important, and the goals of pursuing dharma, artha, kama, and moksha still apply. Overall, this stage can also be described as simply full adulthood, being in the world, trying to make a contribution to society, helping your community and family, however you conceive of that. 
The third stage is called Vanaprastha. This stage begins after a person fulfills their obligations to raising their family and following their career. Depending on individual circumstance, when this stage begins and how long it lasts varies considerably. In ancient times, people would start detaching themselves from family life and the pursuit of material ends by moving to the forest to devote more of their time to spiritual practice. The idea is to live among other seekers of spiritual knowledge, peace, and freedom, detached from the day-to-day concerns and pressures of society. In contemporary society, especially for those Hindus living outside of India, most people have stopped retiring to the forest. Instead, they choose to give back to their respective communities as they devote more time to deepening their spiritual practice. Hindus may do this by volunteering, attending lectures, reading scriptures, going on pilgrimages, and even spending time in ashrams. The goal is to devote oneself to spiritual practice with a commitment to moksha and seva, that is, service. The final stage of life is known as sannyasa, renunciation of the world, letting go fully of worldly pursuits. Consider it a further deepening of spiritual practice compared to vanaprastha. Having fulfilled all obligations to family and community, a person is free to devote themselves to spiritual growth. A sannyasin lives a very simple lifestyle, subsisting on a minimum. The goal is to attain liberation from the cycle of birth and rebirth. Some Hindus, regardless of chronological age, who want to pursue exclusively the goal of moksha, enter this fourth stage in which they live a monastic lifestyle under the guidance of a guru. Most people today taking renunciation do this earlier in life rather than a progression from the third stage. Outside of India and South Asia, this is all but universally the case, as Western society, even Hindu communities in the West, are not set up for this. It's worthwhile noting that there are some people who took vows of renunciation as a younger person who decide later they want to re-enter the world, as it were. Sometimes this is because a monk's guru dies and they no longer feel the deep spiritual connection to that guru's successor, so they move on. Other times a person, even after a long stint as a monk, discovers that they've developed romantic love for another person and decide that they can no longer uphold their vows of renunciation. Other times, particularly in the West, where the religious infrastructure for supporting monks is not well developed, a monk may set aside formal renunciation in ashram life to do spiritual teaching or academic research in the world, sharing what they have learned and studied as a monk with the world, albeit while living a more householder life. To close out our discussion of the four stages of life, it's important to recognize that each person's progression through the stages is different. Some people may skip one stage or the other, and others may plateau at another stage. The four stages offer a general guide for the attainment of a full life consisting of virtue, wealth, pleasure, and spiritual liberation. You've made it to the end of this episode of All About Hinduism. Next time, we'll start going just a little bit deeper, exploring one of the most fundamental concepts in Hinduism, Dharma. It's a common word, sometimes used to characterize all the religions originating in India, but defining Dharma isn't so simple. This show is produced, written, and edited by me, Matt McDermott. All About Hinduism's academic advisor is Dr. Shreen Bala. Sham Allard is associate producer. Suhag Shukla reviews each script, making all sorts of helpful notes and suggestions. Before you go, do us a favor. 
leave a nice five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to this on. Please also subscribe or follow us so you can get all the new episodes the moment they're released. Also, you can help ensure that more of these get made by making a donation to HAF at hinduamerican.org slash donate. That's it for now, and thanks so much for listening.